No problem. I can do that. Hi there, everyone. It's Marilyn Harris here of Hard at Work, and welcome to a podcast series about how to make and create an impactful legacy for your business. So today I have Shell Mendelson, and uh, welcome, Shell. Thank you very much, Marilyn. Hey, hey. So how's it all going for you? It's going great. Like we said, like I said before, we're pretty busy this summer, and I love doing podcasts and telesummits, so this has been pretty busy and love getting the word out. So yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's a great way to get the word out and a great way to um, help other people. I my intention of doing this series was really just about helping um, you know our leaders and our workplaces and such to get a couple of ideas of what they can do differently that isn't so working so well in their business or in their workplace so um, the topics are mostly about productivity you know workplace culture um, leading with kindness um, and that and the things like that productivity what else teamwork you know whatever it, it comes to communications that come into the workplace and how it affects mm -hmm. it and not mm -hmm. affecting it <laughs> so anyway so tell us a little bit shell about how you got started doing what you're doing right now well, what I'm doing right now is I'm a career coach for adults, primarily, uh, I would say starting in their early 20s to 60s, mm -hmm. sometimes 70s, but mostly, you know, if I'm going to say cap it off, it would be like mid 60s. Um, for people who are interested in making a shift to doing what they love for a living in a sustainable, reasonable, logical <laughs> way. And uh, and helping people while they're on the job actually to um, increase their ability to work product productively and effectively while they're there right. in what I call a means to an end job. Right. Yeah. So um, I got. So your question was, how did I get started? Mm -hmm. um, so I got started doing this over thirty years ago. And uh, I first started with my master's, getting my master's degree in my late 20s. And my career didn't really start until I was around 32. Mm. So I was a late bloomer compared to a lot of people. Right. But once I found uh, my, once I found the field that I was fascinated with and I loved, which was education, coaching, uh, counseling, mm -hmm. uh, and specifically career related. Um, I just took off and it's been that way ever since. So I just went from working for a couple of companies to having my own business, starting my own business mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then do, taking a few detours, <laughs> uh, which I can talk a little bit about, but d taking a few yeah. detours, one of which, you know, where I met you. Yeah, initially. of course. And, um, but I always, during that time, I always continued to do the work I'm doing and now I'm just pretty much expanding on what I'm doing because right. I love it. I right. just said, okay, this is what I love doing. Let's mm -hmm. really go for it now. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl and I met uh, in a course together and, and she was doing her cup of cup coffee. of joy, cup of joy. Yes. Cup of joy. So I thought it was pretty cool uh, app and, but you could tell more people about it more about them than I could. What it's not, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> 
what well, it started out to be. <laughs> yeah, well, that's part of the zigzag we do in our careers, right? <clears throat> I don't have right. a career either. <clears throat> right. I mean, I was always entrepreneurial uh, in addition to doing the work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And but my entrepreneurship generally took off from my interests. So that was one of the areas that I kind of took off in and wanted to see how far I could take it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we all have zigzags. I mean, people reach out to me and they say, wow, you've done so much. And yeah, I stopped to think, yeah, I've done a lot, you know? And, and so I think too, it's just because I want to have a different experience or, I just want to see uh, what that job is like or what kind, what I want to do. Well, if I went that direction, what would it produce? And mm -hmm. if I didn't go that way, you know, and then there's some things like even my pie business. It's like when I gave it up um, several years ago once. And then I just said, you know, if I don't want to be on my deathbed saying, I wish I had done that more mm -hmm. or took it further than just giving up for the sake of just giving it up you know kind of thing so i think we all have our zigzags like you were saying and when you're career coaching i'm sure that you have a lot of clients that are zigzagging too so tell us about some of the the best clients you've worked with so far the interesting stories well um the 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 ops the things that my clients are dealing with essentially are feeling overwhelmed in the job they're in and realize they need to do something about it. Right. And for the most part, what I when they come to me, they're in the wrong job. They're clearly in the wrong job, or they wouldn't be looking to make a transition of some kind. Right. And I always say that if you're if you're feeling miserable in the work that you're doing and you've tried everything and the people that you're working with, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not, your, your boss isn't the right boss. Your coworkers aren't the right coworkers. And that the subject or topic or type of work that you're doing isn't satisfying. Yeah. The, the daily tasks that you're doing are not satisfying that it's time to make a change and look mm -hmm. at ways to, uh, identify areas that will make you happy and I never tell people to leave their jobs that's one right. thing I never do because I know that I often work for people well into um, continuing to work in the job they're in until they're just making in incremental changes to get out and that's right. and I so the type of people uh, I work with are they're feeling stuck and Again, I tell them they are in the wrong job. So that's a big relief for a lot of people to hear. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm in the wrong job. So it's not about anything to do with my personality. It's not about me being uh, incompetent. And my confidence, by, that, by the time they call me, their confidence isn't great. Yeah. Because so, they, they blame themselves quite a bit for that. But the truth is, they're just clearly in the wrong job. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the, I've had, you know, I've been working with people over 30 years, so I've had lots of successes, but ones that really, um, I, I would say successes, meaning people who are able to make the transition yeah. and make it, and make it stick and continue and to expand in that, mm -hmm. in what they went into, 
um, and to realize that this is what they're supposed to be doing and it doesn't have to be a job that you do for the rest of your life. But right. like you said, they can move with the shifts and changes as they come along and that's all part of it, of laying that foundation. But I'm working with, um, I've been working with one person for quite a while now, but uh, he started out as a VP of sales in uh, for a software company um, that it was a restaurant software company and he was suicidal i mean he didn't tell me that later on i learned that uh he was just he had no idea what to do and he was very frustrated and there were a lot of other mitigating circumstances but mm -hmm. for the most part he came to me very confused and i had him go through the parachute process which i'll tell you about in a little bit Mm -hmm. Many people have heard of What Color Is Your Parachute. I was trained by Richard Bowles, who wrote What Color Is Your Parachute. And this is a system I believe I've tweaked over the years and uh, individualized for the people that I work with. Mm -hmm. And I do work with people with ADHD. So, so some of these, this is a specialization that I have. I work with, right. with adults with ADHD. And as you know, many people with ADHD uh, tend to be movers and shakers and very creative people yeah. they get and they get bored pretty easily so again no wonder they're not happy if they don't really enjoy what they're doing right but anyway he was in that situation and he he found me because of my specialization we started working together and today um, he went from being suicidal in his job to now owning his own company and building wealth in his mm -hmm. literally I mean his thing was he wanted to make a ton of money and that's what he's doing right and and loving not only that he had to love his work and so he's pick, able to pick projects that he loves working with uh, working on and the people that he loves working with mm -hmm. it's growing and he's just one of these people that loves to learn and grow all the time right um, as many of us are right and uh, I work with a young man who was a college graduate. I, these are ones that really stand out in my yeah. mind because they just make me smile when I think about it. But he was a, uh, he was a college graduate and he was working for Target. Okay. And I think he had a very solid background. Uh, I mean, he did well in college and everything and clueless. And his mom had called me actually to begin with because <coughs> I do have parents who Mm -hmm. help their adult children um, but he he was kind of clueless about what to do and when we started working together he started forming an understanding of what he needs to be doing what he loves to do and I he started speaking with people and one of the people he spoke with hired him to do the job his very first professional job and he still this is several years later he's still with this um, group and yeah. he's an advocate and a coach for mm -hmm. disability people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. so it's just a, I mean, it was a, the advocate was one of the things that kept coming up for him. Yeah, yeah. And then I work. Uh, another person that comes to mind is a HR. She was a, a young woman who was an HR specialist, and I get quite a few HR specialists, and I get attorneys. There's certain types of professions that I tend to see more of. Mm -hmm. This was one of them. And usually what, it ha what happens is that they go into HR thinking they're going to be helping people or they're going to be 
teaching and training or doing doing more people-oriented things. And she was literally in an office in complete isolation. Yeah. And the kind of work she was doing, if she was doing any, I mean, there were days when she would do absolutely nothing. She was very ADD. Mm -hmm. uh, so she was going crazy. I think she was. She would call me crying and miserable, and um, we would have to kind of work through. So those were the obstacle was she was working for somebody who pretty much wanted to fire her. I think eventually was going to fire her, but she she was in the meantime very very miserable. Mm -hmm. And today she's working. Uh, I don't know actually today, but one, the last I heard she was. Uh, working, getting several contracts, very specific types of contracts that related to what she was very, very interested in doing and loved to do. And it's usually around helping people in some way, right? So, and she was also a disabilities advocate. Um, so she, she would do, she got offers to lead retreats and to work. Uh, she's, she got off job offers, plenty of job offers. So she, if she needed to just have, have a job to sustain her, yeah. She never had a problem being able to do that. And mm -hmm. she's pretty much calling the shots right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so she went from being a job beggar to somebody who is <laughs> out there calling the shots, which is yeah. where I take all my clients. It's like you are calling the shots, not the other way around. Right. Yeah. The way it should be. <laughs> the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so sad when I hear about people who are so desperate that they go take a job because it looks like maybe 50% of the, of the tasks line up with what they can do and they figure they'll wing it on the rest and they'll just beg for the job or they'll not beg for the job, but they'll go in with that um, one down attitude instead of going in, knowing exactly why you're going in, why you pick that company, mm -hmm. uh, why you're even there. And so you're in the position to ask them and interview them versus the other way around. I mean, yeah, they're interviewing you, but you're only answering the questions that you have already done the research on and want to answer. Right. I mean, you're happy to answer. Right. So that's, that's kind of, um, that's a little bit. Yeah. I always think, uh, you know, if you're interviewing for a position or you're selling yourself to them is, you know, I always look at it as this two way street, you know, because you might be interviewing me for the position, but, you know, I'm also interviewing you to see if I really want to work there, you know, even though I've maybe affected you at some level, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my, and I agree completely. Um, I also, you know, add to that, that they've, they've also identified this place as a place they would actually like to work. So they have a lot of information going in. Mm -hmm. They've spoken with some of the employees. They know what the environment is like. Uh, they they have a cut one or two connections with people who actually work there. Yeah. And so they're not going in blind, just applying for a job that looks like it might be a fit. Yeah. Uh, it's not guesswork. And the chances are, like, if you have two people with the same qualifications and one of them is packed with information and the other one is, it uh, looks like they could do everything, but they're a job beggar. That, kind of, that pretty much comes through. Who do you think the employer is going to pick? Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So what do you think some of the issues that companies have with their workplace employees right now? Or um, you're dealing with the ones that aren't happy or in the wrong job role or something like that. 
I think there are more people like that than anyone cares to admit. Mm-hmm. And I don't think employees, employers think about that. Some do. Some are very conscientious about that and trying to create a, a, a good fit for the employee. So they're, cause they, cause it goes hand in hand that if you enjoy what you're doing right. and you're, you're happy, your, your productivity is going to be higher. Right? right. I mean, that just is like a no brainer, yeah. but not every company, you know, there are companies that are used to hiring and firing and laying off and that's their modus operandi. Right. So probably not the best kind of employer to seek out if you're really looking to do what you love because you're then you're put in a position where anything can happen at any time and you may be hired for one thing and once you get there you're in a completely different position right Right. yeah so as from the employer perspective i work mainly with you Mm -hmm. know the client so i would just say more as an advice (laughs) to employers um, that they that they really do try and match up their employees with at least 50, 60 to 70% of what they enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. not just are capable of doing. And that means that they, you know, when, when it comes to the strengths they might have, if they don't love using those skills uh, that allow them to be strong in any particular area, if they don't really enjoy using those skills, um, then they're not going to, they're eventually it's going to, be a wash you're not going to things will happen and they will be called on the carpet or that something will happen so i really implore them to look at the skills people love to use mm-hmm. and that means uh, my clients when i work with them they identify those skills and i'm talking about we all have a ton of skills but we don't love using all of those skills that we have right right, right. so that the ones that will offer sustainability in the workplace are using those skills that we love to use. Mm-hmm. And so if we're using those skills, perhaps 60 to 80% of the workday, the obviously it's going, everybody's going to be happier. So finding, helping the employee, um, just asking the question, mm-hmm. are you enjoying, are you enjoying, truly enjoying your work? And is there anything that else that you would like to be doing? Um, in in the work that you do, is there any any projects you're interested in? Any uh, anybody else's job that that you'd like to think about working towards, like a lateral move of some kind? Just asking that question, right? That can mean all the difference. That shows support mm-hmm. uh, for the person who's who's providing forty plus hours a week to you every, right? You know. Mm-hmm. So just asking those questions and and taking some and man for managers to take ten minutes a week to check in yeah. with their, the people they're managing. Yeah, uh, I have a great example of of a situation. This is more of an ADHD employee yeah. situation, but <laughs> it, it was uh, you know this happens a lot that that large companies require you to do all these additional um checklists and uh what do you call it you have to go through all the extra or something like surveys or things that have nothing to do with the actual work yeah and so what for a person like me and i'm diagnosed as well right i would get so i would work for somebody i got i would never do it 
I just would never do it. And they never called me on it because I was making them so much money at the time. <laughs> they, <laughs> they pretty much accommodated me, which is yeah. kind of how it should be. But uh, this one uh, manager came to me and said, how do I work with this person? She's probably the best engineer that we have, but she, she won't do this form that needs to get done every single week. And I said, well, how long would it take to do the form? How much time does it take? Yeah. He said, probably 10 minutes. Yeah. And I said, well, why don't you just, can you, I said, can you afford to take 10 minutes of your time to sit down with her every week and go through that form with her? Yeah. And he said, yeah, I think I could do that. I mean, he's a manager. Yeah. That's one way of managing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If it, if it bothers you to no end that this isn't getting done, it's something you can sit down and help the person do while the rest of the time they're they're producing like crazy then why wouldn't you do that right yeah so yeah that's that's as far as employers are concerned i guess that's my advice yeah yeah that's cool so tell us a little bit more about the uh, myers briggs not myers briggs it's the open parachute thing that you yeah know. i'm glad you brought up myers briggs i used to give <laughs> all those I, I used to give all those assessments, including the Myers-Briggs, for years. Yeah. Because I had to. I was working in a system that required me to do it. Um, and I just remember thinking this is, what, how is it really helpful? I remember one that was helpful in terms of identifying work for people, and that was, it was called the Raven. Do you remember the Raven? Yeah. Because it was kind of an intelligence one where you had to, I don't know, it was abstract reasoning, they call yeah. it. And, and it really did. It was, you were able to identify a person who had abstract thinking and could take on more challenging situations. But the rest of it, 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 it was kind of meaningless when it came to people switching careers. Mm-hmm. Um, because they might read the results for a bit and then forget it, file and forget. Right. Um, or they, it just wouldn't hit them on a very personal soul level. Right. Enough to make a shift of some kind. So the parachute process that I use, which is what well, your parachute has been around for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes out with a new edition every year. And may, And I'm sure whoever's listening to this, Many people have bought the book, tried to read the book and go through the book. And I always say it's a resource. It's not an actual step. You know, you don't to to read it cover to cover is crazy, but to to use it as a resource. Mm -hmm. And I use a workbook with people and I take them through the main part of it, which uh, I do very differently than the workbook. So the workbook is a framework and it gives you kind of a loose structure mm-hmm. for identifying the different areas that make up your ideal work. And the main thing is that it requires rigorous honesty mm-hmm. about what you really enjoy and what is important to you, what your preferences are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard to do because when you're in a job where you're, again, you're making the money, the benefits, and all of that might be important to you, and eventually that needs to be part of the structure of what you're creating when you're laying the found the foundation for going on to doing the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that you're doing in your current job are definitely going to be in there if they're benefiting you. 
right? Right. But not maybe not the actual work itself, but some of the benefits or maybe you're, some of the types of people that you're working with. Um, so we, it's a very personal thing, and it's comparing you to you, mm-hmm. not to somebody else, which is what the assessments do. Right. They take a sampling of people, and if your interests kind of match those or your answers match uh, somebody else, then it may remotely or sometimes very much so target in a targeted way resemble who pieces of who you are, but it's not the whole picture of who you are based on just you. Right. And the way, the way you get to that is being completely honest with mm-hmm. yourself. <laughs> and that's what I help people go through. Cause I can tell when they're not doing that. <laughs> I can tell when they're hearing the little voices of their family or friends or yeah. their parents or somebody sitting on their little shoulder going, I can't do who, well, how are you ever going to get a job in this? How are you ever going to do, you know, make enough money in this? Mm-hmm. Um, what will people think of you if you do this, this, yeah. this kind of stuff? And these are the, these are the voices that I help people squash <laughs> over time. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's what my, what, what my job is, is to remind them, when I can tell when they're they're um, and usually what happens because they know I'm so on to it mm-hmm. and, and I keep them honest that way that they can they can start to think understand when it's happening when they're starting to um, answer a question based on their outside of themselves versus in their heart or their soul right like the and so it's a, it's an inside out process yeah whereas assessments or an outside in process. Mm-hmm. And which one do you think is going to be more sustainable over time? Mm-hmm. When you think about it. Yeah. The internal. The stuff. internal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's not a quick fix. Yeah. Uh, and there's no interpreting interpretation because the person has just that they didn't have to interpret it. It becomes very clear. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you've heard of law of attraction, which is yeah. you, we all know law of attraction, right? Most of us sort of buy into that, that philosophy to a certain extent, but this is the actual doing of the process that creates that because once they have all of this information, it's amazing how many opportunities come up. Right. Cause the freedom of just seeing in writing who you are in a very clear way and being reminded over and over and over again who you are through repetition and through uh, support and all of that, it, it becomes very much easier to start to see yourself as a person who does this right? versus somebody who needs a job right? or just needs to make a living and support their family. Mm-hmm. And that's true too, but they're already, they're in the job now. Uh, and just to backtrack a little bit, when people are still in their work, I work with them to um, find the good in what they're doing and to really appreciate what they have so that whatever they're going through on a daily basis uh, is not so harsh. It becomes the strength is in knowing that they're in the process of making a transition. Mm-hmm. And that becomes 
they're that becomes the thing that sustains them until they're ready to make a move of some kind. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So uh, what type of clients do you like to work with? You shared a few about, you know, people that mostly have a, what is it? A D A D ADHD. Yeah. I can almost, I can almost guess that if people are listening to this, there's going to be a good percentage who have ADHD, maybe undiagnosed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very specific. It's not just, I have a little ADHD, either you have it or you don't because it's a particular type of brain wiring. But mm -hmm. these are actually the people with ADHD in the workplace are the movers and shakers. Right. And they're often the CEOs and VPs mm -hmm. of the company because they're the ones who come up, have the ideas and the not, you know, the understanding and the passion. Right. Uh, and that's where I want, I like to, that's why I love working with people with ADHD because they're always exciting. And even though they get, you know, they get distracted, we find the things they like to hyper-focus on in terms of what they love mm -hmm. doing. Uh, not to the detriment of their family. Of course, there has to be some balance or whatever. But just to have that understanding that it's okay to love what you do and to not have to love all these other little details. Mm -hmm. Maybe have somebody else do that stuff. Right. 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 So those, that's one that is probably, I work mostly with that. I do work with, um, we call neuro, what we call neurotypical, like you would be a neurotypical person. <laughs> 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 right. All the others, which I had been working with my, my entire career up until my own diagnosis 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I still, I still do. We all have our, everybody has something, right? They've got something that they're dealing with depression or, you know, there's always something. It seems like even without ADHD, people come to me with med, they're on medications or they're, they're dealing with some other obstacle, you mm -hmm. know, and that's what we, you know, that's, I love working with people who just, who are ready to make that shift, I guess, you know, yeah. they're ready. They're, they're finally ready to say, okay, I'm done. Now I've got to go back and do maybe what I didn't do before I chose this major or I made this decision to work for this type of a company or to go into my family business when I really didn't want to. Right. <laughs> or to go to do anything that they felt pressured to do. Maybe they, started early with a family and they had to go to work or whatever. Yeah. But, but they're just ready to make a shift and they know that they're ready. Mm -hmm. It's, you could be ready and not really deeply understand you're ready. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, those are the people that call me for. Right. To, okay. to work with them because they know they've tried the quick fix before and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So now, okay, there's a little, there's not just uh, career coaching, there's counseling involved and there's life coaching as well. Mm -hmm. That it's all within the context of career development. Right. Right. So we, it's, it's kind of a, whatever they need at any given time in the process. That's what I, I'm, I'm actually qualified to do that. I am not a licensed person, so I'm not a therapist. Yeah. But what we do is very therapeutic in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's so I love working with anyone pretty much who's just ready to do the work and get going and make a shift. Yeah, do something different. 
do something different. Yeah, awesome. So yeah. Um, you explained a lot of things about how you work and who you work with. And so if somebody wants to reach out to you, um, Shell, how would they find you? They can find me a couple of ways, um, more than a couple. The first one would be to email me. I love the emails. Okay. Mendelson at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. That's S-H-E-L-L dot M-E-N-D-E-L-S-O-N at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Just simply saying, can we set up a time to talk? And of course I do. I don't charge for that. Yeah. And it, sometimes it goes 30, 45 minutes mm -hmm. um, and we just talk. And I don't, I don't pressure people at all. Uh, I just want to find out who you are and what you need, right? You know, what right. your struggles are, yeah. Um, to see if there's a good fit, basically. And then another way is shellmendelson.com, mm -hmm. my website. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Career Coaching with Shell. So you can like my page and start seeing some of my posts, which are always a little bit career related and uplifting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically to contact me, you can also text me at 830-237-2735. Okay. Um, and I love texts too. Actually, I respond even sooner to a text because you know how texts are, they pop right up. Yeah. So I love a text. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, they'll be able to find you on your page on the podcast page. Yeah, all that information should be there. More information about you and reach out that way. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, it's awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining, Michelle. Appreciate it. I think you provided some great insights on what managers can do, and um, certainly they can hire you or help. You know, have consult with you to help them. I'm sure. And yes. You know, you're open. Yes, I do. Also training. I also train other coaches who want to learn parachute because I have a very specific way of doing that. Okay. Um, so there are some coaches who are career coaches, but I end up working with them because right. they aren't clear about what career coaching is or even if that's what they want to do. Right. Um, so I, I, this method is, there's no, you can't lose with this method. It's been around for so long. Mm -hmm. And I will always be a proponent of this method. Right. Um, and then I, I do, uh, obviously, the interviewing and podcasting. So mm -hmm. anyone who wants me to interview for anything specific work-related, I can do that. Or I've done keynotes before. Mm -hmm. uh, I do like doing it if it's the right situation. Right. Again, I'm very specific about what I like and what I don't like. <laughs> well, that's good if you're a career coach. At this age, <laughs> it's you learn to love what you do and you just do what you love and that's right. it. Right. Well, that's a great line to know and phrase to know for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me, Shell. And um, yeah, if anybody wants to hear Shell after um, today, um, you can find her at podcast.hardatworkonline.org and uh, she'll be posted there. And plus uh, you'll find her on the social media. You also find them on um, the Hard at Work uh, YouTube channel. So um, she'll be around several places. 
<laughs> I try to be. <laughs> I'm also going to be at the ADDA uh, Attention Deficit Disorder Association Conference in Philadelphia. I don't know if anyone's planning to go to that one, but I will be at that um, in November. So. Okay, great. Okay, well, thanks everyone for joining us once again today, and uh, we'll be all chatting with you soon. And if you want to know more about the podcast series, please reach out to me as well. So it's uh, hardatworkonline.org. And uh, my name is Mary Lynn Harris of Hard at Work. And glad to have you. And uh, Shell, best of luck for you. Thank you so much, Mary Lynn. It was great. It was very enjoyable. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you.